Hi, I'm Anna Lively, and welcome back to the Speak Up Sports podcast. I hope everyone is having a nice February. For the first time on the podcast, I am joined with a beach volleyball player. This week, I am talking with national champion from USC and Team USA professional player, Julia Scholes. We will be talking about Julia's unique journey from indoor to beach volleyball, her career goals, and much more. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast with others. Well, I don't want to keep you waiting any longer. So here is my conversation with Julia Scholes. Well, welcome back to the Speak Up Sports podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Anna Lively, and I'm excited for this episode because I have the first beach volleyball player that I've had come on the podcast. I'm joined with Julia Scholes. Julia, thank you for coming on and talking with me today. Hey, Anna. I'm so honored to be your first beach volleyball guest. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. I'm super excited to hear about your story so far. So let's start with the beginning, really. How and when did you first get into beach volleyball? So the beginning for beach volleyball came a lot later in my life. So I'll first start by saying I started indoor volleyball when I was in the sixth grade. Um, and I, I played a lot of sports growing up, but I definitely gravitated towards indoor volleyball. Um, and I committed to University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, um, fairly early in high school, probably like ninth or 10th grade. Um, and I had no idea that I would ever switch to beach volleyball. Um, but when I was in Chapel, when I was at Chapel Hill, uh, my sophomore year, I had a series of bad concussions. I had multiple within uh, a time span of a year. Um, and I was kind of forced with the decision of do I medically retire and just um, stay at UNC and maybe be a team manager or I had the opportunity to switch to beach volleyball and transfer um, because beach volleyball is a lot safer alternative than indoor because the element of sand slows the game down substantially. The ball is a bit bigger and softer and tactfully, tactfully the game is played a lot differently. So in indoor, you're pretty much swinging as hard as you can at every single ball. Um, Where in beach, you're doing a lot of off-speed shots. You're placing the ball where the opponent is not. Um, And it came down to me just feeling a lot of freedom and joy on the court versus when I tried to return to indoor, I felt very fearful and I never once fully returned to an indoor practice after my um, head injuries. And so I started training with the beach volleyball club team at the time and then worked with this woman named Tristy, who was in the area of UNC Chapel Hill, who did a lot of uh, club volleyball with both beach and indoor and she kind of started to formally train me in understanding how beach volleyball worked and so then that was my first introduction that was the beginning of beach volleyball for me so that was spring of 2018. Well thanks for sharing that what a unique way to really get in the sport and you know (laughs) you talked about it that I can't imagine it being tough because you had to juggle the different concussions but going into college you know having one the Gatorade North Carolina player of the year in 2015, like 
How were you able to sort of like adapt and juggle having to transition from a sport that you were so used to playing indoors to the different version of it? Oh yeah, that is a great question because I think people assume that, I mean, I was one of those people who assumed that beach volleyball and indoor volleyball are very similar. Like they have volleyball in their name. So how different could they be? <laughs> I kind of compare it to table tennis and regular tennis. Like everyone knows ping, everyone knows that ping pong is so different than regular tennis. Um, and beach volleyball, um, you have a lot of the same foundational skills, but they're applied in a lot different of a way. And so, and there's also different skills that beach has that are not shown on the indoor court. Like for example, pulling and overhead digging are not a thing on the beach and the same with blocking. The technique is completely different. And so the transition was honestly brutal. Like it was very humbling. Um, it took me a while to kind of understand the game and I really didn't like the game at first. Actually, I struggled. I debated if I wanted to quit. Um, and I just, despite disliking the sport so much at the beginning, I just stuck with it. Um, and when I continued to stick with it and started to play in competition, like I started to like it more and more. And now where I'm at currently, it's like, wow, I love beach volleyball so much more than I ever loved indoor volleyball, which is kind of crazy because indoor volleyball was my life for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, but within the whole aspect of me medically underloading in school because of my concussions and saying goodbye to my sport and thinking that I would never continue athletics again. I had a radical perspective change on sports in general. And so I think that also allows me to enjoy and love the game so much more now. Well, that's so cool to just hear you talk about that really transition that you experienced because you said you almost, you know, thought about quitting multiple times and you decided instead to stick with it and continue to push yourself during a hard time of transitioning between those differences in volleyball. And now it's fun to hear you say that you love it even more than you did before, mm -hmm. which I bet you didn't imagine you would ever say at the beginning when you were transitioning between those two. Yeah, absolutely. I never in a million years could have planned the way my life has unfolded to get me to this point but it's been quite the journey and God's been so faithful and so it's been really cool to see how um yeah how things have just unfolded well that's awesome now uh you started your collegiate career at North Carolina but then you went to Hawaii before going to USC how did you juggle transferring to different D1 schools and adapting depending on the different team cultures yeah, that's a great question. So if I look at my collegiate athletics career, I've spent at equal, uh, I've spent equal amounts of times at each, in each institution. So I spent like two and a half years at Carolina, two years at um, Hawaii and two years at USC. And so I feel like I've ha lived three different lives within the time span <laughs> of six years. And so I transferred to University of Hawaii um, because UNC Chapel Hill didn't offer beach volleyball. And so I knew that if I wanted to continue athletics, like I would have to switch to a school that had a beach volleyball program. And then when I was at Hawaii, since I'd had a medical hardship from the time that I was at Carolina, I had an additional year of eligibility. 
And so I finished my undergraduate degree at University of Hawaii in 2020, but then I had another year of eligibility to compete. And so I started a graduate program at USC and then COVID became a thing where everyone got an additional year of eligibility back. And so originally I was only supposed to be at USC for one year um, and completing my uh, master's, but then because of the COVID year, I was there for two years, but I would say each school I loved for different reasons and each school challenged me for different reasons. Um, and it was cool to see like the different cultures between each program and then the different culture between indoor volleyball and beach volleyball, and then the different ways that our teams would approach training and approach the weight room. Um, and just like the different relationships and teammates that I'd have. Um, and I'm so thankful for the people that I've met at each place. And I feel like I have such great friendships and connections at Carolina, at Hawaii, at USC, and I'll keep those friends probably for the rest of my life. Uh, so I feel very blessed to have experienced uh, three universities, but I would say for like young listeners or anyone going to college thinking like this, you're going to this school um, with the transfer portal, I feel like it makes it very easy for athletes to leave situations they're in. And I think in some cases, like that's, you, that's definitely uh, an option and what would maybe make the most sense. But a lot of times like the grass is not always greener on the other side. So really like sticking with the program you're with and like riding through the rough parts and getting to getting to the other side and being appreciative for those um because I don't think I like willingly transferred from any program per se but like when I was going from Carolina it was switching sports and then when I was leaving Hawaii it was because I had graduated um but I would not advise like three transfers had those situations not like naturally occurred well, I'm glad you shared that point of view and the experiences you had from each of the respective schools differently and just having to juggle the different dynamics that each team brought and then also juggling, you know, transferring between the schools with your education as well. But you talked about it that you thought originally you would only have one year at USC, but I guess COVID ended up being small positive in the aspect that you had the two years there because now you're yeah. back to back women's volleyball <laughs> national champions that's amazing <laughs> what did it like can you put into perspective what it meant for you to go into USC as a graduate student and then end up finishing your career with two national titles yeah I think on paper that sounds awesome like I think every high school student who plays a competitive sport has a dream of winning a national championship mm -hmm. at the collegiate level and I think that is valuable. I think that there are, there's beauty in having high goals, but I also think that those goals in themselves should never be the, the end goal per se. So me achieving that made me realize that like ultimately like trophies and championships are empty as they don't have the journey and the relationships and the meaning behind them. Um, also like faith is so important to me so it's like a relationship with Jesus and the joy that that brings mm -hmm. far outweighs like any fleeting moment that of my, 
momentary success that could be in a championship title uh, because each year it's like, okay, you won this year, another team wins the next year. And like championships aren't necessarily going to impact people's lives for the better. Mm -hmm. Like you're not going to achieve some feat and be like, wow, because I achieved this now I make an impact on someone else's life. It's like, regardless of what you do, like the way you impact people's lives is through relationships, is through Mm -hmm. coming alongside someone, is through being a good teammate, um, is through all the little details throughout life that are in the pursuit of bigger goals. But the goals themselves are never the end goal. (laughs) Well, I really love the way you broke that down and put it into perspective that it's not all about always... Yes, it's great to like win a title in sports. That's a goal at every level, right? As an mm-hmm. athlete, but but really putting it into perspective that that's not the only goal. Like there's other things to work towards outside of your sport as well, which is helping the people around you, which I think is important that you touched upon. Absolutely. Yeah. So now you're officially done with your collegiate career, but you recently started playing professionally. I know you won the 2022 AVP Rookie of the Year. So really great transition for you. <laughs> what would you say the experience has been like for you so far transferring from going from the college level to the professional level? Yeah, um, I did not anticipate my... I guess rookie year going the way that it did. And I was so fortunate to have some amazing partners who really uh, mentored me and showed me what the next level looked like. Um, and I say this all the time, but at this level, like anyone can win on any given day. And so I think, yes, like it's cool to like win tournaments or do well in things, but knowing that like the team that maybe finished 10th could very well finish second, third, first, the next tournament. And we've seen that happen in the AVP. So it's very humbling and cool to know that like, just because you did well, doesn't mean you're guaranteed doing well at the next event. And I try to always remember that and just pursue excellence in the sport. And that means like for me going to practice and becoming the best player that I can be, and then the results will determine themselves. Um, you are kind of, uh, that's something that's out of your control, but you try to control what you control. Um, and I think that's been my mindset and transition uh, from college to professional is that, okay, I want to become my best self. Um, and I'm not going to let results like sway how I feel about myself. Like if I do poorly in a tournament, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm the worst player like I shouldn't be here or if I do well in a tournament I'm not going to say oh like I want to beat these people like I'm I'm set now you know it's just constantly like refining and becoming your best the best player that you can be I love that because I think that's harder like to do easier said than done but you Mm -hmm. talked about it really nicely in the way that you said you know like you stayed humble and stay consistent with continuing to work to be the best version of yourself regardless of the outcome because Oftentimes you can only control certain things and you can't control everything. So there's no point in getting upset or, you know, getting frustrated if there's just something that is out of your control and you can't really do anything with. But you talked a little bit about it and I want to touch upon a little more when you said that you don't try to get like more so too high or too low, depending on the outcome of the tournament. 
Mm-hmm. So like, how would you say you work on your mental game to help you through those different aspects of the game? Yeah, that's a good question. I think the mental game at the next level is probably one of the biggest separation factors between um, top athletes. Um, and I think we are always evolving um, as athletes and as people. And so understanding that we are humans and we're going to have feelings and we're going to have emotions, but what do we do with those feelings? What do we do with those emotions? And it starts with awareness. So I think if you realize, oh, I'm feeling bad about myself because I played terrible. Um, Okay, switch the narrative. Okay, I have these feelings and they're valid, but how am I going to take action now that I know that I have these feelings? So if I feel like, oh, um, I'm just, you begin to use the information that's given for, um, for like to take action steps towards the future. So like the information of, okay, what, why do I feel like I didn't do well? I was mm-hmm. slacking in serve receive. I made too many hitting errors and you use the information to better yourself versus letting the information just contribute to feeling negative. So like you try to view it in an objective sense and separate yourself from the feelings and then use it to work to get better. And, but also being understanding that like everyone has feelings and that's normal, Mm -hmm. but how do you process and move forward? Oh, I really like that. Thanks for sharing that aspect to sort of like journal through those different questions and think about it in your head to try to like learn from what you've done and then continue to move forward. Cause I know that's something I've been working on as well in sports for me and I think it's an important part of the game to help you as an athlete you know work through those different emotions to help you you improve on your own as well but I want to touch a little bit more upon your professional season in the last year so you started playing some for Team USA as well and so I know that you finished off the beach tour final a few months ago by winning gold with Betsy Flint like, what would you say some of the biggest lessons you found that you learned throughout the season to help you grow as an athlete moving forward? Yeah, I think every tournament is a challenge and every team that's on the other side of the net is a challenge. And so if you do well in a tournament, like I just touched on, it doesn't mean you're going to do well in the next tournament and really having the mindset of what is the next team in front of me? What is the next point in front of me? And taking it one point at a time until you maybe find you find yourself in the championship match and you're having the same approach that you had have in the final as you did in the first round of pool play. And so I think that's something that's helped me done well in some tournaments is like, oh my gosh, this team that we're playing first, like they're they're gonna put up a fight and we have to go and earn the win. And then do that over and over and over again. And so that's something that I feel like I've really learned this year is to never take a team lightly and never take any moment of where you're at in a tournament lightly. Well, that's great. Well, thanks for sharing that aspect of it. So now I want to talk about a little bit the future now. So looking forward, now we're in 2023. Have you thought about Paris 2024? What are your goals for the next couple of years? Yeah, so the goal is Paris 2024, and I think that that's even crazy for me to say out loud because I never thought I would be in a position to pursue that goal. 
um, six months ago. So mm. I'm going to definitely give it my best effort. Um, and, but I also know that it is all in the journey. Like I told you earlier about mm. the national championship, obviously that's on more of a small, a smaller scale than the Olympics, but I'm just very excited for the journey and what mm. I'm going to learn along the way. Um, and yeah, everything that that entails. And so how Olympic qualification works for USA beach volleyball mm -hmm. is it's based on your results on the FIVB tour. And so the FIVB tour is the international pro tour and they take your top 12 finishes and the amount of tournaments that you play. And so you have to play in more than 12 tournaments internationally from January until June of 2024. Um, and then the two teams with the top amount of points from those 12 finishes are, will be the ones representing America in the Olympics. Oh, well, thanks for explaining that. Cause I didn't know that and how all the different seating and qualifications go for that. So that's going to be exciting to watch you continue that journey in the next, you know, year and a half for that. But I want to touch a little bit on representation in women's sports in general in college, but also for beach volleyball, you know, I feel like we know that it's it happens often that a lot of men's sports get more representation or more opportunities or those types of things. But how do you feel equality primarily in your sport, but also in other women's sports, you know, needs to grow, including the different coverage that it gets? Yeah, that is something that I feel like is so prevalent in society right now, the conversation of empowering women in sports. And I think you're doing an exceptional job of that by bringing Thanks. women athletes on your podcast and being a woman athlete. Um, and I think that um, we're trending in the right direction. And um, I think it's really bringing people together. And I obviously am all for gender equality and equity and, and making sure that uh, we're out of fair playing field. And I think that Beach volleyball is one of the most televised sports in the Olympics. And I, I mean, for women and men, mm -hmm. but I think that knowing that, like having a support system and having the structure of uh, the professional tour, like capitalize on that and figure out a better way to better monetize um, the commodity that we have, which is women athletes. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And so I, I mean, I am not in that field of work, but I'm so grateful for the people who are in that field and who are working to empower athletes and women athletes um, and making and saying that it is possible to be a professional woman athlete and support yourself. Um, cause I don't think that girls felt like they could have that dream for a long time. And I think that it's definitely there and we're going in the right direction. Yeah. I totally agree with everything you said. And it's great that beach volleyball has gotten a lot of great coverage during the Olympics, but also to see how it can continue to grow during the professional series that you guys compete in leading up to the Olympics or all those different things. And just in women's sports in general to, to give the platforms and opportunities for women athletes to succeed but seconding what you said too it's cool because this is the first time i feel like 
I've seen that multiple different sports in different areas have had opportunities for women athletes to be professionally, you know, volleyball or softball or basketball, like it's just continuing to grow. And it's going to be exciting to see, you know, where that goes in the future. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Julia, what I always do with my guests to finish off the podcast is what I call my favorite five questions. So let's start with what is one piece of advice you would give to the next generation? Wow, that I should have watched more of your podcast so that I could have <laughs> come prepared for this. Um, one piece of advice to give to the next generation, I would say who you are does not equate to what you do. I think it very often happens that we get so wrapped up, our identity gets so wrapped up in what we're doing, and then we let that dictate how we feel about ourselves when every single person is spiritually and wonderfully made and we all have unique gifts and qualities and how we, how we are as a beach volleyball player, we have qualities that we use in that role that we use when we're in a school setting, when we are in our, with friends, when we're with families, like you are so much more than what you do. And I think that's important to know uh, because I definitely struggled with that when I was younger um, and letting volleyball be my sole identity. Well, I love that. And thanks for sharing it. I wrote it down because I thought it was so powerful. Who you are (laughs) does not equate to what you do and we're all uniquely and specially made. So I love that. Thanks for sharing it. All right. Next one is to give a shout out to someone who's made an impact on your life. Wow, there are so many people that just pops in my mind. Um, I would give a shout out to Julie Wahala. Um, she was one of my disciples at Carolina, and I feel like she was the first person to show me who Jesus was by the way that she lived her life and the love that she had and the joy that she had. And I just saw that she was markedly different than everyone else I'd met. And I was like, I want what she has. I didn't know how she had such faith, such joy. And I think that that she inspired me to seek God. And she definitely had a profound impact on my life. I love that. That's awesome. All right. If you could plan your ideal day, how would you want to spend it? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, I would love to do a lot of activities outside so I would love to go hiking I'd love to go to the beach play some spike ball um I love I'm a foodie so like some good restaurants um spend time with friends spend time with family um yeah just play card games just like activities outside good food good people (laughs) sounds like a good day (laughs) All right. What sport would you have played if you didn't play volleyball? I always say that if I could go back and do it again, I would pick tennis early on. Yeah, because I think that tennis is such a historic sport and they have such a great support system. And it's very realistic to financially support yourself as a professional (laughs) tennis player. (laughs) Like, it is crazy to compare, like, tennis earnings compared to beach volleyball earnings. Well, (laughs) hopefully that number keeps going up, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, But, yeah, I think tennis would be a really cool sport. 
Nice. <laughs> All right. And lastly, if you had a superpower that can make the world better, what would you want it to be and why? Superpower to make the world better. That is a tough question because right when you said superpower, I was like, I would want to fly. <laughs> but <laughs> how would that make the world better? <laughs> um, maybe I would want to fly but then also like be a super gardener so then maybe Ooh. I could like fly around with food and drop food to people who that's have, cool don't have enough food to eat <laughs> I don't know that's that a unique super, one <laughs> that was a super lame answer um, but yeah no that's good all, <laughs> all unique ones I like that idea I haven't heard that one before <laughs> okay okay so good all right well julia thanks again for jumping on the podcast and sharing your story throughout the transitions from indoor volleyball to beach volleyball and i'm looking forward to watching your journey as you work towards paris 2024 thanks anna this has been awesome loved getting to talk to you